Well, good morning and uh, welcome to, to Wesley Baptist Church. My name's Jeff. I'm the minister. I'm leading and preaching today, so I'm sorry. But hopefully, despite me, we've come with great expectation. Uh, I woke up at 5.30 this morning, not on purpose. But normally when I do that, it's generally with a certain level of anxiety because I did something wrong or I'm about to do something wrong. But I felt this morning, it was a lot of different conversations came through my head at that point that this morning we should expect God to be present, for God to speak. I say that every week we meet in God's presence and we gather to worship God, but words are easy. Expectation. What is the reason why we've come this morning? I spoke with one, one mom this morning. She was talking to her, her son about why we come to church. And say, well, we come to church to see Jeff. As nice as that is, that's not why, why we come. All right? And, you know, I ask my kids, why do we come? You know, for them, they come because I make them. All right? No, we come, we come expectantly to, to meet God. We come not to hear a stimulating sermon, although I hope... The words of God stimulate us and grow us in our faith. We've come, we'll sing songs, but I hope it's deeper than that, that we, we worship and we glorify, we magnify God. We come this morning with the expectation that God's going to be here, not because we're good, not because our goodness demands that God will be present. Where two or three are gathered, he'll be present. This morning with expectation we read the word, as we pray, as we sing songs to God and about God, that God would be present, that lives would be transformed, as we pray for people, that transformation would take place. Will you pray with me as we expect God to be present and to move? Gracious God, we thank you for this morning. This is a day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Fathers, we come this morning, you know each heart and mind that has come here. You know some of us, we've come with heavy hearts, broken hearts, broken lives. We've just barely made it this morning by the skin of our teeth. Would you be present with the brokenhearted? For those who've come with great joy and excitement about being here in your presence, would that joy enthuse us all? That this, this morning would be about meeting with you. Father, raise the level of, ex of expectation that we have. That this wouldn't just be a nice religious service in the midst of a week. But this would be a place where you are present and that your life, your presence, your love changes and transforms lives. Be present this morning for our sake and for your glory. Let us enter your presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. Amen. Amen. Ryan, would you lead us in an opening song of praise? Kids, get your instruments, because we need you to make a joyful noise to the Lord. And we, adults, will also make a joyful noise to the Lord. Well, I'd like to welcome you all to stand this morning as we join together in worship. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. 
I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will enter. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. 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 I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Thank you. 
Thank you, my Father. Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son and giving your Spirit the work on earth is done. All right. Children, it's just about time for you guys to go to 316, but before you do, I'm going to pray for you, so don't make a run yet, Phineas. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that in this church, we really are a family. We have a family of young newborns, all up to really old. And Father, we thank you especially for the children and for those who've been willing to spend time with them this morning by, by going to your word and preparing lessons for them. As they go to, to 316, Father, would you bless them? Would you grow them in their love for you? May they grasp your heart and be transformed by the life and love of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Kids, you guys can off you go. Adults, you can stay standing because we're going to sing a little bit more. Sure, 
the price it has been paid for Jesus bled and suffered for my was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my pain. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing, I am free. I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will take me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me, until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hope, my hope is only all the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ. When the race, when the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, Christ in me, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the the great glorious truths of the gospel, that all that we have is, is from you and your generosity. And Father, we pray that you would transform us and change us to be like you, a generous people who sacrificially give as you sacrificially gave. And Father, Father, for the offering that's been given now and through standing orders and direct debits, we, we thank you for the gifts that we have received. And Father, as a church family, as we decide what we do with this, these gifts, would you give us wisdom, give us boldness and courage that through these gifts we might see the world change and transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. I thank you, music group. That was that was wonderful. Um, a few notices to let you guys know what's going on in the church. Um, the big one, March fifteenth, Alpha kicks off again. So we hope that you have. Uh, signed up for that. We, we, the, the numbers going on that is growing, which is great, but it would be great to see more and more go along in that encounter and meet with Jesus. So um, I know all of you, you have been praying for somebody because I told you to, and from what I remember, you always do what I say. So um, you might just need that boldness to invite that person that you've been, been praying for. Or if you don't have the boldness yet, you might want to sign yourself up and see what you are inviting someone to. Also, another thing uh, that I want on your mind is world missions. As a church, we take missions really seriously. We want the world to be transformed and changed by the love of Jesus. And 
by the, in the end of this year, we're going to choose our mission partners for 2023 to 2027. Um, there have been several that we've been supporting, and you get regular emails about that. But we want us to, to think about who we want to partner with uh, in the future. Maybe it's the same people, but maybe it's not. I know Bob has received a handful of suggestions already, which is really exciting. Um, but if you have more, speak to Bob or myself after the service or email him. And we'll put together a, a document for us to, to understand who all these different people who have been proposed, and we'll prayerfully decide who we as a church should partner with. Uh, I think that's all the notices. I'm just going to look around the room to see if anyone's waving a hand at me, telling me I should have said something else. Linda's at the back. You normally know more things than I do. No, I've done everything I should. Great. Well, before we, we open up the scriptures, let's, let's spend some time in, in prayer for ourselves and for the world. Gracious God, we thank you for this world that you've created in love and in your freedom. But as we look at the world, we, we see one tarnished by sin and brokenness and evil. Father, we, we pray especially for our brothers and sisters who are living in countries where they are being persecuted. That the, the name of, of Jesus cannot be freely spoken for they are imprisoned and beaten and rejected. Father, we think of the, the Surapet Orphanage, that we can't get money to them because the government is, is stopping their bank account from being opened. We pray that you would move in that situation, that those children could have their, their provision met. Father, we want to be a part of meeting that need. Would you open up the, the channels so that we can do that? We pray for, for Kezia and, and Viva and for the, the work of BMS, especially of, uh, of Laura in Peru. Father, throughout this world, we want to see the name of Jesus raised high. Would you help in, in the world, in the church, to do that? And Father, for us at home here, we would love to see the change and transformation in Lee and beyond. Would you use us would you give us, grant us boldness to have the name of Jesus on our lips? Would you give us boldness to be generous with what we have that we might see change and transformation? Father, we thank you for, for Barry and the, and the London Road Chaplaincy and the, his spending his time going in and, and spending his time with the shop owners. Would you use his, his courage and boldness to bring life and life and prosperity to this? Fathers, you sent your, your exiles into to Babylon. You told them to seek the prosperity of, of Babylon. And in so doing, they would find, find their prosperity. Father, we want our prosperity to be cross-shaped. We don't want to just to, to live in seeking after health, wealth, and prosperity. Father, whatever you give to us in prosperity, we want it to give it away. So, Father, we, everything that we seek, we seek your glory and we seek the good of our neighbor. And, Father, I pray for us here as we have gathered this morning. You know each one of us, the hearts and the pains that we carry, the hurts and the pains that we carry. Father, would you help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and fix them firmly on you, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Father, there's so many things which are hindering us from living for you and you alone. Would you in your grace cut those things away? As painful as that can be, 
Would you cut those things that are entangling us from walking with you? For many of us, we are, are ashamed of the gospel. We, we can't say, as Paul did, that he's not ashamed of the gospel. Well, we, we are for, for various reasons. Would in your grace you open up our eyes to see how glorious your gospel is. That somehow as we proclaim that Jesus is Lord, lives are changed and transformed. Would you prevent us from just thinking being nice is what the world needs? Father, the world needs Jesus. Would you help us to live in that way? Equip us and change us this morning that we might live for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us dive into the word of God. We're starting a a short mini-series, a three-week series on generosity. I'm preaching this week, Bill's preaching next week, and then I'm going to preach the week after. And what I'm preaching from this morning, maybe not what you'd expect from a, a series on generosity, but it's my favorite parable, the parable of the prodigal son. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke 15, verse 11, or you can scroll on to it to it on your phone, or it'll be up on the screen behind me. But let's hear the word of God. This is the word of God, and he is a living and active God who speaks. We expect him to speak through his word now. Let's listen to his word. From Luke 15, verse 11 onward. And he said, that's Jesus, there was a man who had two sons, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. And yet, You gave me a young, never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, 
who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this brother was dead. For this your brother was dead. And is alive. He was lost and is found. We thank God for his word. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, we do thank you for your grace that we see especially in the Father here. Grant us, by your Spirit, the ability to hear your voice in these words, that we might be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus. So Father, from the written word, your word, through the spoken word which you've laid on my heart and my mind, may we all as your people, by your Spirit, encounter the living word, Jesus. It is his voice above all, that we want to hear. Amen. Amen. So as, as I said, we're doing this three-week series on generosity. We had a budget meeting on Thursday. This sermon series is not about the budget. We have a building project on the go. This sermon series is not about funding a building project. Some, some ministers have a hard time talking about money. I tend not to care, because this is about your discipleship. That's what I care about. I don't care about having a lot of money in our bank account. I care about you looking like Jesus. And so this sermon series about generosity is about you becoming like Jesus. All right? And it's not just going to be about money. It's going to be about our money. It's going to be about our time. And it's going to be about our skills. God has given these things to us. And we want to learn as disciples of Jesus how we use them. The parable of the prodigal son is a glorious parable that Jesus tells. And I want to see it from the father's perspective. Because Jesus is telling us this story about a father and two sons. The father is clearly the father. God. And I want us to see it from his perspective. You know, it's called the parable of the prodigal son. And prodigal can mean reckless. And the word reckless is, is here in the translation that I, I read. But it can also mean giving on a lavish scale. Giving on a lavish scale. So we meet a, a prodigal son who is reckless with his inheritance, wastes it, as, as the, the older brother tells us. But we also see a father who is prodigal in his love, and he lavishly pours out his love on his son. The generous love of God we see in this father. And generosity and generous love is always costly to the one who loves and to the one who gives. Being generous is costly. And it costs God the death of his son. In this parable, what does it cost the father? As I said, we, we know this story as, as the, the parable of the prodigal son, but another commentator said this could equally be called the parable of the running father. The culture of Jesus was one where dignified people did not run. They would not understand this thing of jogging. I think I saw a shirt once with a quote from the Bible. I couldn't remember. I meant to look it up. But it says, he's a fool who runs when no one is chasing him. Yes. All right. Jesus' culture, all right, they didn't, dignified people didn't run. And dignity was something that mattered to them, but it's also something that matters to us. 
what we think about ourselves, and, or more importantly, what we have other people think about us, matters a lot to us. And I think especially that's true in this part of the country. When, when I was moving, moving here, some of you guys warned me about, about that. All right? That in this part of the world, we care a lot about what pe- people think. It drives us, the way that we dress, the type of cars that we drive, the houses that we live in. What are people going to think about us from, from those things? I remember one of you, I can't remember who it was, was telling me a story of, of Wesley in the 90s. Someone was invited to come along to, to, to this church and said, my car's not good enough to, to be in that church. I hope and I pray that's no longer the case. But that's a story I've heard from one of you about this church. We don't want to have that kind of reputation. But what people think about us is a big driver. And we need to have that seen through the lens of being disciples of Jesus. The father, a dignified man in this time, shouldn't run after his son, doesn't care. Doesn't care what his neighbors are going to think about him. He sees his son afar off and he starts running to him because his presence of his son is far more important than what his neighbors think about him for running. Love is what drives this father, not reputation and not dignity. Some of you guys, as, as disciples of Jesus, you're going to do things, or you're going to be called to do things, and you're like, what is my husband going to think? What, what are my neighbors going to think? What are my colleagues going to think? The father forgets his reputation. He's willing to squander his reputation for the sake of his son. Love costs, generosity costs, and God's generosity and God's love is always cross-shaped. We, we see on the cross, along with the, with the pain that Jesus experiences, it, it is also scandalous. Paul, Paul uses the word about the cross, that it's a scandal. He says that it's a scandal to the Jews because it looks like weakness, and it's a scandal to, to the Greeks because it looks like folly. It does not look powerful and it looks stupid, is what Paul is saying about the gospel. But it's not. But Jesus is willing to give up his reputation for love. See, in Hebrews 12, it says, look, we, the, the writer of Hebrews says, let us look to Jesus He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who gives us our faith, and he's the one who grows us in our faith. And for for him, this one who who gives us and shapes our faith, he, because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and he despised its shame. The cross was shameful. The cross was painful. But for the joy that's on the other side of it, I'm willing to pay the cost. Philippians 2 says Jesus emptied himself and he took the form of a servant. He, the creator of all, takes on the form of a servant, takes the form of a slave. Being born in the likeness of of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That is the shape of God's love and generosity. We are called to a generosity and a love that looks like this. If Jesus was about protecting his image, he wouldn't have chosen the way of the cross. If we are trying to protect our image, it means we are not going to be going the way of the cross. 
Humanity clings and grasps to things, but God freely gives. Our instinct, apart from God, is to hold and to grasp, to, to, to accumulate and accrue. God's nature is to give and give freely. In Acts 4 and 5, we meet two characters. We looked at one last week, Barnabas, who's awesome. His name means son of encouragement. It really means Bar, Bar is from, and, and Abbas, Barabbas, son of the father. But we see it's son of encouragement, maybe even son of, son of generosity. It seems like as a wealthy man, he sells everything that he has, and he gives it to the apostles and says, give this to the poor. And this act of love and generosity changes the way that the apostles see him, that it seems like they change his name at this point, or maybe before. But then the next chapter, we meet two people that look at this situation and says, well, we've seen that Barnabas's reputation has gone up, and all that cost him was giving away a lot of things. Let's do that. And, and this, this couple, they say, okay, we've got some property. Let's sell it, and we'll give it to the apostles. We won't give all of it. We'll give some of it. We'll say it's all, and that way our reputation will go up as well. And we have this tragic story of, of, of them being confronted by Peter and dying. Barnabas loves and wants to, to help the poor. Ananias and Sapphira want to build up their reputation. It's very possible that the property that Ananias and Sapphira sold was even more expensive than Barnabas's. It's possible that they gave, even from the remainder, more than Barnabas did. Because it wasn't about the, the, the amount of numbers on the check. It was about the heart. Generous love costs, and it costs God. And as the son returns, the father spares no expense. Uh, I think the children's Bible that I, I recommend that all, all parents have, actually, if you don't have kids, you should just still have it because it's great, the Jesus Storybook Bible, paints a really beautiful picture of this parable, and it says that the son is practicing his I'm sorry speech as he's, he's heading Heading back to his father. And as he breaks out into his, his I'm sorry speech, the father just ignores it and says, let's have a party. The father spares no excess. His, his son certainly didn't deserve a party. He'd already had his share of the inheritance. The, the, the father is paying for this party out of his own pocket, not what his son would, would, was earned. He, he ruined, wasted all of that part of his, his inheritance. He, ends, he actually ends up digging into his other son's inheritance to pay for the party, which the other son didn't quite like, but we'll address that in a few moments. God's generosity to us is not deserved. The love that we receive from God is not deserved. But the gospel is not about what we deserve. The gospel is about God's grace, about God's generosity. At the heart of God is a gracious God. And I know some of you make fun of me because I start most of my prayers with gracious God, but I've been so captivated by the grace of God that I always just need to keep reminding myself of, of who he is. The generosity of God's people, us, is not governed by what is deserved by the recipients of our generosity. But our nature has been transformed by his nature. What drives us is we want to be like God. In preparation for this, this series, I was reading a book called The Act of Grace by a guy called James Petty. And, and in the introduction, he said, what, what if our, our understanding of money changed? What if we understood that the final purpose of having money 
is to give money? What if the purpose of our skills, our money, our resources, and our time is to give them to others? Do we see the things that we have given to us by God as primarily for our enjoyment and for our acquisition? Or do we see them as God giving them to us for us to give to others? The, the author, James Petty, he tells a story about his grandmother, his grandparents really, who hosted a prayer meeting in their house for, for global missions. And, and regularly their, their seven children would sit at their parents' feet as they had people from the church join them and missionaries join them. And they would pray for them. And in one situation, uh, a need ar- arose for one of the, the missions that was really urgent. And the grandmother said to, to her husband, I think we should sell my engagement ring and give them to him. And they did. And, it said, and he says that this act made a profound impression on the seven children who saw up close what it means to invest in eternity. The idea of possessions like rings and money and time and skills was deeply transformed by this woman who is deeply transformed by the generosity and love of God. Martin Luther, one of our favorite Germans. We should probably put up a list somewhere about our favorite Germans. Martin Luther's high up in there. But he said conversion, people converting to Christ, being changed and transformed to Christ, says it, there's three conversions needed. There's a conversion of the mind, there's a conversion of the heart, and there's a conversion of the purse. But each, the Apostle Paul says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In my sermon in a couple weeks, I want to look at what are some of the practicalities of what this looks like. But, but generosity is not governed by law. Right? For a long time, the church says, to be generous means giving X per, percent of your money. And we'll look at that in a couple weeks. God's generosity is not governed by laws and rules, but by the heart. God loves a cheerful giver. It says we are not to give reluctantly or under compulsion. And in this parable of the prodigal son, we meet a reluctant older brother. The older brother is often ignored because we, we are so overwhelmed by the love and, and the generosity of the father and, and these two sons, the, the, the younger son coming together that we can just kind of forget about the older brother. But both brothers suffer from the same problem. The older and the younger brother, they share the same problem. The problem they share is that they do not share their father's heart. They both want their father's stuff, but they don't want their father. The older brother is angry that he never got a party. He's like, you never gave me a goat for me to go off with and have a party with my friends. And, and the father's response, you can hear the heartbreak in, in, in his words. Son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. The, the son's affectionate response is, I don't really care about you. I just want your stuff. Which is exactly what the younger brother said to him. It's like, I don't really care about you. I want your stuff and I want to go away. 
They both wanted the stuff, but they didn't want the Father. Christians, we cannot be people who are seeking stuff. We need to be people who are seeking God, His kingdom, His righteousness. With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are seeking after God. This is not a matter of law. Right? This, the older brother, say, I was obedient. I did everything right. We can be really obedient in our hearts being far from God. So the glorious thing about the gospel is that there, there is a father who loves us. There is us, the younger sibling who has run away. But there is an older brother. But the true older brother is not like this older brother. The gospel is that we are this younger brother who is far away from God. We are lost. But we do have an older brother who at his expense has left the Father's presence to come and find us, to bring us home that might be what, what is his will become ours. God is generous. Our older brother, Jesus, is generous. And the Father and the Son, they don't seek to protect their reputation. Jesus was rich and yet for our sake became poor. God is generous with all that he has. Jesus spends his times with the sinners and the tax collectors. He sacrifices his reputation. How often do we spend our time with the rejects of society? That's where Jesus was drawn. And if we want to be like Jesus, that's where we should be drawn. Jesus hangs naked on a cross, mocked. Again, he did not seek to protect his reputation. Jesus dies on a cross. He is generous with his life. He doesn't give a tenth of his life. He gives his life. John writes in his, in his first epistle, in chapter 3, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. The world doesn't know what to do with God's generosity. The world doesn't know what to do with, with, with a church that is shaped by the generosity of God. It does not make sense. The world doesn't understand it. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. We are not as generous as God is. But we desire to be. And when we see him, we will be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. What God wants from his church is not a church that has fantastic ministries. Although that's fine. God does not ultimately care about a, a church with a really beautiful building, although it's nice to have one. What God is interested in is a people that look like his son. What God is interested in is that you look like him. That, that's what discipleship is about. Is that we 
from one degree of glory to another, become and look more and more like Jesus. We, we can't serve two masters. We cannot serve money and God. Generosity is a thing which slays the idol of money. A theologian that says the heart is a idol-making factory. It's continually popping up new idols for us to worship instead of God. And generosity is the one that kills the one that says your hope and security is in money. Generosity is the one that kills the idol that says what really matters is what people think about you. Generosity is the thing that says, well, instead of spending thousands and thousands on my wardrobe, I'm going to cut back that I can give to those in need. It means I might not have the, the, the fancier car. I'm going to sacrifice that for the sake of whatever. It means the ring on my hand, maybe I should sell it for, for the sake of eternity. For the house that, that we live in, maybe we need to, to reconsider having all of this, this money invested in there. What will our neighbors think? How does the world deal with that? The world doesn't know the ways of God. We know them, and we're called to live in light of them. In a few moments, actually maybe the music group could come up. We're going to be singing a great hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. This is a hymn that reminds us of what the generous love of God looks like. It's cross-shaped. And as we understand what the cross is and what it means for us, we begin to realize as the song ends, it demands our lives, our souls, our all. That is what we are called to. Let's pray. Gracious God, generous God, you've called us this morning to be disciples of your son Jesus. You've called us this morning to look like Jesus. Father, you know each one of our hearts and our minds, and you know that each one of us here, all of us, we cling to something other than you. Father, it's destroying our soul, and it's preventing us from being like Jesus. But in your grace, you come to us, and in your mercy, pry our hands from those things that we hold on to too tightly, that we might be generous with all that we have, that we, one, might become more like Jesus, and that, two, the world would know your generosity and your love. Father, help us as we sing this song, for not just to be tickling our ears, but breaking our heart and molding us into the image of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.
content on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to His from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did such love and sorrow meet for thorns come? moment we're going to sing another song to close the service but if, if there's something that you'd like prayer for this morning it's something I, I haven't been great at offering at the end of services but if, if maybe perhaps one of the the trustees is about you could maybe come to the forward or or maybe in the past I know there's been a prayer ministry team that I haven't kind of kicked off recently but maybe if you were involved that you might want to come to the forward and and if you'd like to, to have someone pray with you um, perhaps during the, this next song you might want to come up forward um, maybe for some of you who have been along in the church for a while and, and there's no one up there, maybe you have the courage to come up and pray with some people. Um, but my guess is there, there are things that have touched us this morning and the songs that we've sung and the word that we've heard that, that we'd love to have a brother and sister come alongside us and, and pray for us. So, so be courageous and take that step to come up forward. We will close this service with His mercy is more. What love could remember no wrongs we have done 
omniscient, all-knowing, He counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam? What Father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What riches of kindness He lavished on us. His blood was the payment, His life was the cost. We stood neither dead, we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. and serve, serve a wonderful God. We thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. I hope you've been, been, been touched and you've experienced the presence and love of God. If you continue to want to wanna, to have prayer, feel free to come forward. Um, and yeah, we'd love to, to pray with you that you'd be changed and transformed by the love of God. But go now in the peace and the love of Jesus Christ. He loves you. He died for you. Go in the knowledge of that. Amen.